welcome to Sessions, episode two. Uh, this is a podcast presented by the Shapeshift Report, which is a digital trend and insight magazine that is produced and created by the team here at Matt Black, which is a culture marketing firm. I am really excited to be here today with Puno, who is someone that I met several years ago um, at a creative conference of sorts, right when she was embarking um, into a very interesting new path of creativity and tech. And we became fast friends, as people typically do. Um, so I'm very excited to have her here today to talk a little bit about her role um, in this kind of vast world of technology. And I will kind of hand over the baton to you to introduce yourself. Yeah. Okay. Hi. Hey. Um, my name is Puno. Right? That way. We already did that. But um, And I am the founder of I Love Creatives, which makes... Um, it's basically, you know what, it's kind of going through in a transition, but the tagline right now is a digital uh, Craigslist for creatives. And uh, I also founded Ma- Made With Map, which is when we met, it was actually Octoplace. Um, and I do all sorts of things, um, including People Map, which is a tool that we've added to I Love Creatives. Awesome. Yeah. Let's kind of start with a little get-to-know-you-of-sorts, okay. our quick-fire challenge, per se. What's your go-to comfort food or meal? Spaghetti, for sure. And I make a damn good spaghetti, too, like if any of you guys want to partake. Um, I put a little sugar in it. That's mm. the secret. And then some ja- uh, Jamaican jerk seasoning. In oh, there. wow. Yeah. And it's just onion, garlic, Jamaican jerk seasoning, sugar. A little bit of salt. That's nice. It. It's so good. Sweet. Mm, so comfort. What's the last movie you watched? Um, Ali Wong's Baby Cobra. Have nice. you seen that? No. Oh, so good. Who's your doppelganger? I think that I, I mean, any Asian girl. <laughs> I feel like Emma Stone and I have the same voice. Uh, there's a guy at Home Depot who once, he was like, behind a Home Depot broom or whatever, and he comes up to me and he's like, I could have sworn that was Emma Stone. And I'm like, no, just me. That's cool. (laughs) That's awesome. That'll do. (laughs) So in thinking about, you know, kind of what your role is in this world of tech, it's actually very hard for me to define you because you do have your hands in so many different pots per se. Yeah. Um, What do you think your role is in this interesting, constantly changing world of technology? I feel like I am a digital entrepreneur. I think that's the best like way that I can describe what I'm trying to do. And basically, I just um, want to create tools or platforms or communities online and um, figure out how to make connections with other people online because it's the internet is huge and there's only certain mediums to like make people find each other and I want to be good at all those things so because of that I have to like pick up a bunch of skills which is why I I know UX design and graphic design and web design and I'm starting to understand like social media and community building and now I'm like getting into paid advertising and just trying to figure out every facet and every medium in which you can connect people together. 
Um, so because of that, I have so many titles, like UX designer, web designer, photographer, blah, blah, blah. But then all of it is like my skills that I need in order to build a business online. Um, and I don't always know what those things are either because um, I, I like to iterate a lot. And that's what I love about digital is that it's, you can change it anytime you want. Um, you can use data and uh, iterate on what people are, feedback people are giving you quickly. So I am always changing and I'm always evolving, um, which makes it really fucking hard to pin down what I do. <laughs> well, and you've kind of been at the forefront of this whole slashy generation in general. I feel like you very much are a part of that concept. You are, like you said, photographer graphic designer, UX, social media expert, basically just internet problem solver, I would say. And I'll throw an Excel wizard at it as well, because you are. Daniel's um, even better at it than I am. Really? Um, girl, he'll like pull out stuff that I'm just like, it can do that. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Um, talk to me a little bit about your career path prior to going on your own. So, uh, so right before I left and started doing my own stuff, I worked at Call of Duty, um, Call of Duty Elite specifically, which was this app, a sister app for all the Call of Duty games. And um, we were really just supposed to build a new product that was supposed to make um, millions of dollars. Like, the, it, I don't know if you know Bobby Kotick, but he's the Activision CEO, and he's just kind of notorious for, like, bar, 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 bar. so the way it was told to us was, hi, you need to make the Netflix of Call of Duty, and people need to pay $60 a year for it. And then, so it was just, it was awesome, because it was the first time I ever had a UX design job. I totally just went into it cold, um, because... I didn't like I, a friend of mine. He was a uh, he was a UX director. He just said, "Oh, I think that you would be really good at UX design," and I was like, "Sure. What's it? What What do you do?" And he's like, "I mean, you know, like, how about this? Just give me a ten point power, like a ten slide PowerPoint, and just describe to me why you what your thought process was in building." Uh, a website you've built before. And I was like, okay. And then he, like, I sent it to him. He's like, oh, you'd be great at this. You really think through things, like, da da da. And I was like, okay. And then I got a job at um, Call of Duty and then quickly became the director of UX design there because honestly, nobody was doing UX design at the time. Um, but also, I'm just really a loud mouth and, you know, like, will stand out. And so I built a team of 10 UX designers um, and just, just tried to build this product. And it was crazy because like the fan base for Call of Duty is 20 million. So the first day that we launched, we had 20 million people that were already downloading it. First day, crashed. Like, hard. The servers could not take it. It was just awful. I mean, that's what happens. That's how big games release. Like, it's totally different if everybody has a disc and then they put it on. But, like, I mean, there's no excuse. But it was just, it was a lot of learning um, to have a product where... You have infinite amount of resources. We had Call of Duty money, so you can hire whoever you want. Um, you had a fan base that was already super passionate about the, any product you make. 
Um, but then you just have to feed them that and continue to make them happy. Oh, and also they're 14 year old boys. <laughs> so, totally. I mean, I think what I learned so much from that was, um, was just having to actually build a product that you have to be responsible for any of the consequences. Cause before I would just have agency work, I would be doing client work. And you would, you know, do a campaign and then it would take you three to six months to do that campaign. And then it was over and it was, there was like no consequence to me. I didn't care if like we really sold product or at all. So now I have to actually, like with Call of Duty, I had to actually build a product and deal with the fact that, you know, it is what the product we built was. So, um... I just, I just learned basically one, how fulfilling that was for me to build a product, um, and to design a product and execute it. Uh, but then I also realized how much I wanted control of the aspects that I thought, um, could make the most out of it. So community building was huge for me, but I didn't even know that that was what it was called because there was no like community building at that time was forums. Like that's community building. So we didn't really have social media at the time. I mean, YouTube was kind of big with machinima, but, um, it, I felt like there was so much more that we could do to create a community around this and utilize the tool to like help make those connections. But because I was the UX designer, I was siloed in an apartment that I wasn't allowed to even like do feedback or like focus groups on my own. Um, and all of that control, uh, really stifled my just in, emotionally. I just felt like, but I want to do this. Like as a designer, I think this is really going to build this tool to be something amazing. Um, so that's when I pretty much was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I loved it too. I built an amazing team. We were all like super autonomous. Um, every single person I, I hired, I wanted them to be a unicorn in some way. Like I wanted them to be able to do UX design, but also possibly be a really good gamer or do UX design and do some graphic design or UX design and then could write. It's just like, I wanted somebody that was able to do two things so that we could really like do a lot with just a small crew mm -hmm. and they all had to be funny. <laughs> I feel like it's a prerequisite for you. Oh my God. Yeah. If we can't laugh about like all this, like we're building an app for Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. So you basically went from this crazy behemoth brand with a behemoth budget and incredibly accessible resources for your use. And you decided to step away from all that. And you and your husband, Daniel, decided to embark on building a community for initially for food lovers mm -hmm. and for people who wanted to talk about and share great content around food. Mm -hmm. What were your learning lessons in the first six months to a year of going out on your own and building your own tech product? Um, I realized that I needed to market it as soon as possible because we were so stuck in the, or so excited in the design phase. And that's how we were trained in a way. We're the design team. We're the development team. Don't think about anything else. Just sit and build a product in a box and then wait till, you know, it's done. 
but I really should have at least done a lot more marketing and figured out, all right, what is it? Who are these people? Where can I find them and build a community before the product is done? Because um, in retrospect, a year later, that's what I did. So I feel like the first six months was just a lot of worry and a lot of being in my own head. Um, and all of that could have been mitigated if I had a community to tap and just ask, like, am I wrong? Is this, is this what you do? Like, can I observe what I, my like hypothesis about like a tool that we would build? Um, yeah. Cause ugh, just like, I remember one time Daniel and I were on the couch and we were just like, should there be a search bar on the top bar or not? We got in a fight. <laughs> I was like crying. <laughs> and I was just like, what the fuck? Like, why is this happening? And it's really just because it's almost, I mean, I'm not going to say that it's depression, but it's, it's in a way where you get so up your own ass that you can't, you can't actually get yourself out of this cycle of like, is this right? Is this right? Or it, without something else outside and outside right. is your market. It's so interesting. Cause I feel like, you know, well, this is a little bit of a twofold question. One being, you know, the evolution of all of the companies that you've started, people map, I love creatives, et cetera, et cetera, really kind of spawned from solutions to problems that you were feeling along the way with map. Yes. Previously Octoplace. Yes. So it's like the, the next kind of iterations of your, you know, kind of path were driven by things that you were like, why am I using an Excel spreadsheet to save all these lists and, you know, mine all these people when we could create a tool for that? Mm-hmm. Um, even prior to that, and this is just something because I know you personally. This is, that's why it's so exciting because I'm just like, she know you know me from the beginning. Yeah. Like beginning, beginning. I know you from sitting on a bus ride back <laughs> from this creative conference and you were trying to pick my brain. Like I had things to tell you, which like in hindsight, I'm like, dude, I had nothing of value to tell you whatsoever now that I know how your brain works. But you were like very like, I don't know. I don't know a lot of people. I'm not really out there. Like how do I find this community? And then like fast forward a few years and you're probably one of the most connected individuals I've ever met. Um, but there was a moment in both first your pivot from Octoplace to turning it into a map. You identified that food was so limiting and it was such a small community that you decided to turn it into something that was more about overall places. Yeah. Um, and then two, Pinterest announced that they were launching Pinterest places oh before God. you ever even got to launch map. Yeah. Describe that moment. Um, I got a bunch of text messages from friends being like, are you okay? (laughs) I was like, well, you know, honestly, we, we, I was scared, but at the same time, I felt like as a Pinterest user, I don't think that I would use it that way. So when it came out, I was beautiful, but it was still hard. And actually, um, about six months ago, I just took a trip up to Pinterest and I'm, one of the business developers, like we, he reached out to me before and, um, I was just talking to him and I was like, I was like, did you guys crack it? And he was like, no, we haven't cracked it yet. And and what we mean is have you cracked the use case of, um, pinning things on a map or saving locations with a photo? And he's like, we haven't done it. And I told him, I was like, dude, we haven't either. And it's not that, um, we don't think it's possible. It's just that 
there's some combination of interaction. There's something that's happening right now that people are distracted by, or they just, it's just like, you just need time to work on it. And it was really cool to just sit down and be like, yeah, we've been in this game for like a year and we haven't figured it out yet either. There must be some level of stress that comes with like, knowing that at any moment somebody could launch something that you've been working on behind the scenes for like a year or years. Oh yeah. Oh girl. Like, I mean, okay. I'm actually not as worried about that. Daniel, I feel like is a little bit more worried about it. No, actually no. He's not worried about copycats. We're both not worried about copycats because we have ourselves. And guess what I mean by that is nobody thinks like we do. And we know that we don't think basic. (laughs) Right. We're just, we're different thinkers. We approach things differently. Um, So nobody's ever going to build exactly what I build. Um, Even if I handed them the website and I was like, all right, run this. I feel like it would just be different for different people. I think I read an article recently and I can't remember where it was from, but the idea that um, especially with tech, like it's not necessarily about speed to market. It's about quality to market. Yeah. So even if you aren't the first person to do it, if you're the best person to do it, people will right. gravitate. And I feel like the other thing too is, um, for us, it's about the community that you're building. Like, who are you validating this with? Who are you pleasing first? And then is that group, is, is that group like important? Is that a group that is be- going to be influential to whatever everybody else thinks about these tools? Totally. Um, you very recently redesigned the Shapeshifter Report website for us, which has yet to be disclosed to the public, may have been by the time this podcast comes out. Um, but you've been a critical part, I think, in, in our business, both with MapLack and Shapeshift, in terms of helping guide some of our own UX and the positioning of our brand through our websites and, and other kind of just general things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely came on in the early stages of the Shapeshift and then reapproached a couple months ago when you had a cool offer from Design Milk to write a story around the process of designing yeah. the website. Um, so first off, thank you. And second, what? how does that even, how does your brain even work the way it does? Because in that process, you sent me five potential homepage, like landing pages. Mm-hmm. How do you look at what Shapeshift is and dissect it into what it could be? Where does your brain go? Um, so... That was so fun to to work on that because you guys have such good content. So if you don't have good t- content, I'm I'm like fucked. Seriously, like I did. A, I was trying to do this website for a dentist, and I was like, I can't, <laughs> <laughs> can't. I'm sorry. And they don't want to be that cool either. So it was like um, really fun to work on it. But I feel like that. Uh, when, so when I first started design. I didn't, I wasn't like, um, in design school. So I kind of had to learn everything with every job that I took. And my first job that I took, I was a junior art director. Um, and I didn't know shit, dude. I didn't know anything. Um, but what I, my senior designer told me, she just said, just start with the homepage. Like you're trying to build everything. Just start with the first thing that people see. And it's not as many elements, but it's the most influential one. But it's, you know, you can, like, start there. And then she was like, and I need, like, 50 comps. 
So um, it's just a lot of trying. And so the five that you saw, I mean, whenever I work with a client anyways, I rarely do five. Like I'll probably just send them one or two. Um, and I probably did about 20. Oh, wow. So it's just like a lot of trial and error. And I think that um, designers feel like they're they're supposed to be this magical you know, thing that can just make a design right away. But it's like, no, you got to try lots of different stuff. So, and, and, you know, it, and it's little things too. So maybe, you know, if I did the three comps, that one that we picked at the end, um, I probably did like five iterations of that. Very, very like small things like typography or moving certain things in different ways or using a different photo or having a different angle. Um, those are kind of the different changes, but sometimes they make the biggest difference. So yeah, I'll probably do like 20 of those. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, I, I have, I'm like a hoarder of images. You are too. Yeah. I like love any time. I mean, it, I have no like good way of doing it. Unfortunately, I try Pinterest and Evernote and then just saving shit on a folder. <laughs> like totally. I do all three and I don't know which is my real system. Um, so I'll just like go into image research time and then I'll hone in on like three or five that I really think I'm excited about. And I think like is something that your brand can be. Um, but when I'm picking those images, I'm, I'm not looking at just the image as a whole because I don't want to just copy the whole thing. I'm like taking little elements of it. So whether it's the font that they're using or sometimes it's the placement or it's just the colors, but I'm very conscious of like, I love this image because of this. And then, um, I kind of start building things from there. That's so interesting. Yeah. I think I remember too, like years ago, you had mentioned to me, or maybe not years ago, but the idea that you should never deliver and in, you should never let anyone have to imagine anything when you're presenting design. So laying it out like so layman's, being so conscious about the type of images, whether or not it's even something that the brand has currently, if they have to do new shoots, they have to do new shoots. But that, that for some reason has always really stuck with me because anytime you think about especially in an agency world, presenting anything to a client, like you have to leave room for zero imagination you have to just make it look as sick as possible. The first go around. Yeah. Um, that definitely really stuck with me. So aside from your kind of extensive skills in graphic design, web design, UX, and just being a digital entrepreneur, as you said, um, you happen to also both educate and be somewhat of an expert in Instagram growth because of you, <laughs> not because of me. <laughs> Because well, you asked me to like. <laughs> True. Okay, I'll take small <laughs> amounts of credit for that. Um, but really, when you launched Map, you started building crazy Excel spreadsheets with all of the potential people that you thought could be a part of the community. Kind of going back to the, your point earlier about building community and the importance of really understanding who that community is. Through that process, you realized building Excel spreadsheets with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people is actually a really laborious and ineffective way of doing something. So. Thankfully, you have a really talented husband, and between the two of you, you could create a tool that's all about that. What is your secret? <laughs> what is the secret to grow? What is the secret? <laughs> Tell us all. No, but really, I mean, you, you built a community with Map 
of over 80,000 followers in just a year, and it's continued to scale from there. And you've had a lot of success in terms of what you've kind of coined as the mine and grind. Mm-hmm. Tell us just a little bit about that and then how People Map kind of comes into that. Yes. Um, so it's, you call it the diggy dig, the digi dig. Sorry. The digi dig. You call it the digi dig. I love that. I always talk about it too, but I can't ever say it. <laughs> Clearly. Speaking English is my forte. <laughs> so uh, I, yes, it's called the mining grind. But basically the problem was I was reading all these um, articles about market fit. And I was really, it was, it was making me angry. I was just like, I'm getting angry about this. And it was because I didn't know where to find them. Or how to communicate to them uh, and scale that. And so I realized finally that it's because I don't, I need to like look for them and figure out how to find them. Um, And then I can learn so much from just knowing how to find them. Uh, And I got really obsessed with that. And so I call that basically the mine and grind. And so many people naturally do this. Like anybody that is scrolling through Instagram and screenshots it to an album that goes nowhere, but (laughs) it's just like this album. I know you're just like shaking your head. Like everybody does this. And I did it too, because you're like, that's cool. This is something that I can do something with, whether it's partners or they've got something interesting about how they present content or whatever, but it's essentially list building. And it's essentially like, these are avenues and mediums in which I can communicate about my brand. Um, and finding those people which is huge. But that task of finding them can be automated can be faster than you scrolling through three suggested users on Instagram and then saving them on a screenshot. So before I would, you know, I I was like, I was doing the screenshot thing and that took forever. And then I went on to Iconosquare at the time and I was like, okay, this is faster because I can open up like 20 tabs. But then, and then I would put them in a spreadsheet and then I was like, oh, this is still taking a lot of time. And I'm also very conscious of how long things take because I track my time all the, all the mm. time. So like I use Harvest and I'll just track how long is this shit taking me. Um, and the reason why I do that too is because I'm always thinking about how I can task out like very um, automated things or not automated, but um, just things that I do constantly. And so, uh, when I understood like, okay, this is taking me about an hour to just build a list. Um, then I was like, how can we make this shorter so I can do more? Cause I know I can do more. Like sometimes I feel like I love the computer, but the computer's holding me back. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to find, I want to mine and grind more. <laughs> That's like, let me do it. And then, so I'm like, Daniel, you need to build me something. <laughs> Build me a rocket ship. <laughs> so You're so I, lucky to have a Daniel. I know, but you know what though? I can't always tap Daniel. Like I have, it's and that's where I love creatives came from. Of like me not having to rely on tech, and it's crazy because I love creatives is doing fine. <laughs> you know, like without tech, now we need tech because we've actually gone to the limits of Squarespace. But interesting, yeah. How would you define your personal identity? 
Um, oh my gosh. I feel like funny with red lips. <laughs> Which is so true. I don't have red lips right now. That's okay. okay. We'll pretend. Okay. There's red lips behind you. Funny none of you red lips. Yeah, none yeah. of you can see this because this is a podcast. But there are neon red lips behind her. <laughs> um, just to kind of round things up, which is really hard because I feel like I could talk to you forever. Yes. Any last advice that you would give someone who's trying to embark in even just one of your slashies, mm-hmm. whether it's graphic design, web design, UX, yeah. community building, Instagram growth, whatever. Right. When, um, so whether or not I am a doing my digital entrepreneur stuff or I'm freelancing, I've realized how important it is to make my work environment be what I want. Um, because like, I was very conscious about when, you know, we were reading about startups and they're like, you need to eat ramen and like fucking never buy new underwear. And I was like, no, that's some bullshit. I want to be able to enjoy my life and not just have fun at the end. Like, cause what if the end doesn't work out? Like that sucks. So I want to be able to have fun the entire time. But when you're your own boss or you're freelancing or whatever, and even if you're not, you know, and you have a boss. You need to understand like what is the work environment that's going to make you happiest and most successful tomorrow, not like three years from now, like literally tomorrow. Is this shit something you don't want to do ever again? Because I wasted too much time being patient with shit I knew I didn't want to do. Um, so that's like the biggest thing, and I and I feel like people don't just let themselves think about that. I'm constant, like every day I'm thinking, how can I make my life just a little bit better? How can I make my work just a little bit better? Um, and what, what do I need to change? Cause that, that you're always going to change no matter what. And so you got to change your priorities like every day. That actually kind of relates back to an article, um, written by Professor G. Hey. Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, back in our December issue where he said, you know, thinking about the importance of process and on a daily basis, you should think about one simple way that you're going to improve whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's a career, whether it's your environment, whether it's your personal life, just like every day, just start with that process of thinking, this is what I'm going to do to improve. Yeah. And it could be the tiniest thing. So I think that's amazing. He's, he's so good. And he probably wouldn't even remember he said that. He's so good at like talking about tasks and different ways to evolve, to consciously evolve. Yeah. As opposed to just passively letting things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. This episode of Sessions is brought to you by PeopleMap. PeopleMap is a super awesome Instagram analytics tool that allows you to dig into both the engagement and the analytic trends of your account. We use it pretty religiously every single day here at Matt Black. It's a really crucial tool to all the success that we've seen, uh, specifically with Instagram. It allows you to manage and monitor influencer marketing campaigns and track weekly stats. And most importantly for me and my brain is organizing lists of things that I want to remember for later. So cutting out the frequent thumb stopping and screen grabs um, and allowing myself to really build list tools that I can access at a later date. Really, it's just about taking control of your Instagram marketing. Lucky for you, they're offering a free trial. Just head over to peoplemap.co. So to round out today's session, 
I want to know if you could work in any other field, what would it be and why? Uh, I would love to be a cartoon. It just, I mean, it just sounds like a lot of fun to sit around and make people laugh without putting any pants on. I'm really, I'm really about that. But I have to do it with my voice. Like, I can't do, like, (laughs) (laughs) and on that note, how can people find you on the internet, Puno? Uh, Puno Dos Trace, any social media? Like, oh, I guess, except, no, no, Snapchat's still Puno Dostres. Yeah, I'm vlogging now, so youtube.com slash Puno Dostres, uh, instagram.com slash Puno Dostres, or, or I Love Creatives. Um, yeah, definitely check out I Love Creatives. Uh, if you're a creative that's, like, looking for just a community of other creative freelancers or founders or anything with word creative... That's your jam. (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much for today. I really appreciate you giving us your time and your wisdom. Please be sure to check out the most recent issue of the Shapeshift Report, the technology issue available at shapeshiftreport.co and follow along on all of our social channels at at shapeshiftreport. This is Chelsea Matthews. I'm signing out. Sessions over.